Hello and welcome to the Coolcast podcast with me, your host, Stuart Hunter. Join us every episode where I will be sitting down with cool, interesting and enthusiastic people who are just buzzing with energy and creativity. And as a part of the Cool Studios Creative Network. Class. So, hello. Hello. Hi, are you? Hi, Hi. are you? Thanks very much for coming in and, and doing a podcast. So, for everybody that's listening, tell us about who who are you? What are you about? Well, my name's Ron. Like uh, you didn't say, did you say Ron or Nova Scotia? <laughs> ah, well, Ron, Ron Nova Scotia, you and. Well, they're both synonymous now with each other. That's all right. People just know you as Nova Scotia, do they? Or? Uh, I don't know. Ron Nova Scotia sometimes. Ron just Nova, Nova yeah. Scotia. Whatever. Scotia, you Do you put that down in your your forms you now when you're filling out applications? Do you? Do you I do accidentally signed myself properly. You know. Yeah. So tell tell us a bit about you, and so what are you up to at the minute? Um. Apart from talking to you, Stuart, um, uh, well, for those that don't know, probably everybody does. I'm a music producer, and it also does DJing. Hmm. I'd rather be a music producer and DJ, so don't say I'm a DJ that much. You don't say it? Why, why would you rather? What's, see, when I was talking to Ricky, I was talking to Ricky last night, and he said he started off DJing, and then he went into music producing, and he prefers music producing. What's What's the difference? For anybody, because I, I don't really know the difference between a Well, music when you're and DJing, you play other people's songs. I suppose when you're a producer, then you're producing your own songs. So you're making your own content. You're, is it, you're making them. So it's in the names, isn't it? DJ, you're, you're jockeying discs. See, I, I mean, I watch your lives every Thursday night, and I've watched a couple of them now, and I think they're good. Like, you really hold, I think you hold an audience. Like, is, is that your attic? Yeah, Class. it's up in my loft. I got that done about four years ago, maybe. Yeah, it was a nightmare getting it done, like. But I, uh, it's my wee um, we hideaway. I'm a wee solace. It, like, is it? Suppose, right? uh, I want one. Yeah, either class, one. like that's Proper the best thing I've ever it? bought. Definitely. Yeah. They um cool. So so what got you into it? So how did how did you start off in the DJing? So obviously with NACN, you know there's going to be a DJ academy, and you're going to be running the DJ academy, aren't you? So um yep. So how how so how did you get into it at the start? So a bit about you. How did you get into DJing? I suppose. When I was about 10, maybe 11, it would have been when the rave scene was kicking, you know, just start, it just came through. It was like 1990, 1991. Um, so it was all this like rave music and it was a real change and like uh, the culture and it sort of, I was just fascinated by it, I suppose, the new music it was out, the freshness of it. Um, I just wanted to get all the, the tapes from all the DJs and listen to them and that's all it did for years. Wanted to, and then I wanted to be a, a DJ myself. So I pestered my mum now to get me a set of decks. And she finally got me a set of decks when I was like 15. Um, so I pestered her for years to get me a set of decks and she said no. And then. Oh, were, they, were they record decks at the time? Ah, uh, yes, they would have been. First set of decks was. Uh, what do I call them now? Comms, was it? No, it wasn't comms that I get. I think it was comms. Com belt drives. Um. So she said no for years, and then I got expelled from school, and then she bu- she bought me a set of decks. <laughs> as, as a leaving present. <laughs> as well, like well done, son. There pu- we go. Punishment, and then yeah. you know, like a reward for a punishment. But um, nice. So while everybody was at school, I just um, sat in and scratching. I was I sc- laying in bed scratching. Scratching. But I was, <laughs> but I was on them for constantly laying like uh, hours and hours and hours. And then my mates used to call in after school and stuff and. Uh, used to be about I think it was about thirteen people in my bedroom at one stage, like all having a wee mix each. But that's that was the that was the life. Uh, it was just all music, 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 unreal. And then so I did, I take it that just progressed into. So I take it you became a bit. What was it? What would I say? Obsessive over it. Would that be would that be right word to use? Yeah. Because like, I know, like, if I get stuck into something, I start to get a wee bit upset, like OCD about it. I'm like, no, this is how I need to do it, and this is what I need to do. And yeah, so that- I, I was I was hundred percent like that. There, I was I had all um, the mixes and everything laid out and worked out times of where tunes were, what was the best ones to mix in. Um, and I was just trying to get it perfect because it was all about like the beat matching back then, and then listening to people like Tizer where they done the old. Uh, put acapella over. I was trying to do that there and make it a bit more interesting. But it was all about the, I suppose, the sense of it. Really, I was interested in. Um, and then ultimately, you wanted to to go out and DJ to the uh, other people in, in an arena almost. Arena. So, we had to start smaller, like you know. Small, right, okay, <laughs> it so. was a local community center. <laughs> I was thinking of the arena in Armagh. That's what I was thinking of, like down there. All right, uh, at Nagos, but um, so. 
And then where did it go? When, so when, when was your first actual gig? I can't really remember. My f- I think the first one was in the Raffering Community Centre. I think we were in the youth club and then we were like, we said to the leaders, come on, have a disco. And then it was me and my mate Mark Harris, uh, Harper. And then we brought the decks and I think we had one in there. And I think we'd done in there once a month for a few months and then one off special one we had in the Palm Grove, which What's is it? the local that? nightclub just down there at the... Down the Duck Road. Palm Grove? Where was it? No, the Clock Farm Arms. The Palm Grove? Yeah. Is that what it was called? Have you never heard of the Palm Grove? N- never heard of Palm Grove? Jesus I heard of the Clock yeah, and the Clock Farm Arms. Oh, well, it's, it was upstairs. It was a nightclub upstairs. Palm Grove. Did it have sticky floors? Um, only when we played the Sticky Sticky Right, okay. No, I, I, was, so was there a nightclub in the upstairs? There was a nightclub in there. It was a smashing nightclub. Like It was really was it amazing. Did you get, is that now they've changed it in the restaurant? We get Rustler Burgers and a pint? Is no, the, the Rustler Burgers are downstairs, you oh, know. That. But that's what, that was only for the for the COVID thing, though, to pretend that they're. So you got to make a real burger So they could open and say, I, we serve food, here's a Rustler's Burger. <laughs> wasn't even heated up. Still in the packet, no, just like, class. So, in, right, so did you do a, set, a couple of sets in on the. So, uh, yeah, so I uh, said to the leaders, look, it was something special. I think it was like a Halloween night or something. We says, can we book out somewhere good? So we booked out the Palm Grove and then we had a, it was an under 18s. We had it there and it went so well that the guy in the, the Palm Grove said, why don't you just do this every Friday? And then, like a residency? Uh, so then we did do that there for about a year and a half, me and, me and Harper, and it was the best under 18s in the land. Right now? Uh, it's just, uh, we had, like, we were 16, 17, and we had the best DJs in the country, DJ Tyser, Eddie Ray. We had all, we booked Demons to come and play, and it was rammed to the rafters every single week. And the clock for an arm, like, yeah, upstairs, and, the clock. The People pump. was coming from miles away. Getting buses and all down. And I, like, it was, it was just unbelievable, like. Um, I never, well, saying that, I'm, I'm only 28, like, so it probably was way before my time, even before I was. So, uh, you were only a wee baby. I was said I was probably still floating about somewhere, but anyway, right. So happy there, and ended up good. So, what what happened? There? Where'd you go next with it then? So, uh, uh, so I can't know what it is. I'm kind. I'm really interested in it. Yeah, we've we've spoke a couple of times now. I'm really fascinated about how your whole route, and I think it's definitely something that to learn from me and then capture it on audio so to get the chance to actually sit yeah. there and, and find it out and and record it to be like here. This is this is cool because it's it's. It's cool, like it's class. You yeah, know? it's interesting. Um, I always like to hear. Um, Malorca Lee does one from Ultrasonic. He does one similar at DJs and where they started and how they got there. Like so, um, I love listening to them there too. And I suppose this is probably the first time I live. Um, actually, shared it almost. Yeah. yeah. So whenever you whenever you finished um, with Palm Grove, so how long did it last? About a year and a half. It lasted about a year and a half. It was every Friday night, and it was like I said, it was absolutely rammed. So the guy thought, you know what, I'm going to open it on a Saturday night too. Right. to make more money aye, aye. but then it split the crowd half came Friday half came Saturday so then it went to a full club to a half full club and then two nights a week instead of aye, and, aye. It, so when you, and then just it overkilled it and it's just it went after that there. did you ever go up road a wee bit the chimney corner did you ever get up in the chim no the, my man all went there straight <laughs> <in> the <laughs> I thought the man always like a Wednesday night no way it was like the golden oldies went the Wednesday and then all the nippers went on a, on a Saturday no I, all the, all, it was either you were really young Aye. Or there was all the old grandes who thought they were still young. Still had, wearing their suits and all. And Trying to touch for the younger ones. In, in their velvet. Aye. Grab a granny, grab a granda, <laughs> that's what it was called. The, uh, I remember when I used to go to the gym, like, and we used to go, and I was 17 when I started going to the gym, like, not that it was illegal, but you know what I mean. And uh, we used to go up and we thought we were amazing. And you used to go in the jean scene in the Abbey Centre, or Blue Ink. Yeah. Blue Ink wasn't even there at the time, it was the jean scene, or... It was like a cheap shop, like it wasn't like Tommy Hilfiger, so it was a definitely, and you got a shirt, Primark probably went down the Primark too, and got yourself a shirt, and then that was what you wore to the gym, and you were like, you thought you were gorgeous, like, yeah. you know. So did you get a granny then, or not? Well, I tried a couple of times, but they all knew my granny, so I had to get it. <laughs> so <laughs> granny's weights? So I had granny's weights, so I had to just relax, you know. Uh, no, but, I never really liked the chimney corner, I went up uh, once, it was my mate's Christmas dinner, and we went into the nightclub. And I thought, fuck, this is actually quite good. So they had like this Earthscape trance song and I was on top of the chair. So I'll go, yeah, this is brilliant. And then the next song come on was Bob the Builder. <laughs> and then what? I just went, what the hell is going on here? I, I just went, the Bob the Builder. <laughs> and I went, what the fuck? <laughs> the, the, what I, call, I love the fact that um, you used to go up and had the Christmas decorations and their Halloween decorations and any other decorations that went up throughout the year just stayed up the whole time because it's never t- they just called me bother to take it uh, down just switch on the different lights <laughs> but, uh, 
but they've done. You see, now I have the last time I went to the gym was about three years ago, and we were out in Belfast and everything closed, and then my mate picked me up from a town. My wife went back because we got a ho- we stayed in a hotel, so she went back to the hotel and got a Chinese, and I went to the gym and I brought one of my mates with me who was out with us in Belfast, and when we went in, some woman had overdosed. On ease, like she'd taken ease, and she was about 60, overdose on the floor, fully shaking and all, and people were like dancing around her, and there was paramedics trying to like, I don't know if they were trying to resuscitate her or not, and they were like dancing around her, telling her to wind her neck and get up, and half the lights were on and half the lights were off, and people were like, hurry up and get her out of the way, we're going to do the countdown here, <laughs> and, then, and then they paused everything, got her on the stretcher, wheeled her out, and then they turned all the lights off. And then they've done the countdown at like 20 past 1 in the morning. Oh, <laughs> Everyone was got it. Little, little behold, or even though she was like nearly crooked the bucket. I don't even know if she's right. Don't I even survived. Know and that was it. And I thought, I'll never be at the gym again. And then they refurbed it. Yeah. They revamped it. And the, Just like, our year. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it wasn't that long ago, sure. Yeah. And then they tried to make it a bit more classy. And people were like, no, we go to the gym. You go for a gym experience, and that's you know, it's either digging ahead or you leave with a partner. Like, uh, I was about to say, there's no in between. It's, it's either you know, you're gonna, like, gonna get a girl or fucking stopped. <laughs> Class. So, well, so obviously, you didn't hit the gym, DJ in the gym. You went beyond that then. So, where did, where did you go next then? Uh, so, Pan Grove for about a year and a half. Um, gonna struggle here now because uh. I think the over 18s was on and off in the Palm Grove, and at that time we were over 18, so um, we tried the, the over 18s a few times, and sometimes it went brilliant. Um, and it, it always started off really good. It was packed for about six or seven months, and then it sort of a big fight broke out, and then. Everybody lost in the I Half the people didn't want to come back then after that, and then it just dwindled down, and then it stopped for a couple of months, and then started up again. Um, but it's. <laughs> Well, I, I think I'm cursed as well, you know, the, I shouldn't be saying this here, like, but I think I'm cursed with, whenever I get into a, a club because either I've had, when I've been resident of a club where one's been bombed by the IRA, it's been, a, it's been flooded, um, burst water pipe. Um, I was DJing in the Palm Grove and a fire broke out and everybody had to evacuate and then I was outside and the place filled with smoke and I run in because my decks were there. <laughs> And I was like grabbing my dax. It was pitch black. I couldn't even see anything. Smoking them, getting in my lungs and all. And I just lifted them and started you know, pulling them. They were still plugged into the thing. Yeah, and the I thought, okay, I'll get burned alive there. <laughs> and then trying to pull them. And they were plugged into the wall. And then I shoved them out. And I was running down the stairs with just my dax. Um, what, what, what one got bombed? Um, I was DJing in a bar in uh, Derry, London Derry. Right. Uh, it was a gay bar, like, but it yeah. was absolutely amazing. I DJed up there for about a year. Um. Yeah, and the the I, I was facing the police station, right? So the real IR set a bomb outside it in a car, and it fucking it was from the police station, but it also took out half the uh, club. I took out the club as well. Like that's mad. That's mental. Just shows you, but and there's there's a lot of when when you look at the DJ scene nowadays, and not calling anybody out, but that, that's that's proper experience, sir. You know, going about you have you learn your you learn your craft in them types of clubs where they're oh, screaming um, at you. You're they're up close at you and they're screaming at you. Put on Tiesto, will you? Here, uh, will you put on flan on the wings of loves? You know that type of thing. And it's difficult, like because I've been in some places and you know, like there's paramilitaries and stuff in there, right? So the big guys, the you, back. yeah, you sort of know who they are. And then there was one that was DJing, and um, and there was like. The bar, the monitor come up and says, "Right, that's the last one finished." And then one of them come up and said, "No, put it on." And then I went to put the record on. The bar man said, "No, get that off." And then I left it. I said, "No, fucking put it on." And I was like, "Seriously, <laughs> I don't know what to do here. <laughs> Either I'm gonna get done in, or I'm gonna lose my job." <laughs> 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 so what did you do? Take a thing to John. Uh, just sort of, I think somebody else then he'd come over and said to him, No, just go fucking home with <laughs> like, oh, it. That's mad. That's Just goes to show you different times now, and that, that Yeah, right different now. times now, like but So where what about did, did you ever go across into Europe? Did you ever do anything across in Europe or anything? Uh, did you no, ever go across the pond like Yeah, oh, well I'm DJ in Scotland a lot, uh um recently. Um DJ in England once, uh with GMA. Um, yeah, so out of I'd done a tour around Ireland with the Blackout Crew. You tell me this actually, right? So, so, who's who is the Blackout Crew? Give us a bit of background on the Blackout Crew. Blackout Crew is a bunch of MCs um, from England, and they're famous for their song, probably. Um, Put a dunk on it. Put Aye. a dunk on it. Is that the Yeah, it's a Blackout Crew. Yeah. Nice. 
So uh, I went and turned them around, around Ireland. I was their sort of DJ and they were the, you know, they come on and done their PA with whatever songs or, and stuff they were like. So I traveled around the minibus with them. It was really good. I've done 10 dates in seven days. And it was like... Just hard going. Like, I was. Like, it was like tired all the time. Two in one day and two in one day almost. Two, uh, two in one night. A couple of them was two in one night and the other ones were every, every night. Yeah, but I was just great round the whole coast of Ireland up in the middle. Uh, you know? I was a couple down the bottom, Wexford, and I don't even know where Limerick, maybe. Limerick. Were you on a tour bus? Like, is that the way it worked? Or? I wasn't a tour bus, it was a fucking minibus. <laughs> what, a was it, it wasn't like there's toilets on it. I was going to say, like, proper. With strippers yeah. and fucking, you know. Like. <laughs> Brilliant. Class. Uh, all right. So, and then, so, as that brings us up, so, did you ever. What did you do after the Blackout crew and all? Did that take you to who? This like? was around... Um, Clubland was doing really big then. This was around... Mickey Modell. We skipped a big bit there. Like, um, uh, yes, yeah, so I was working with Mickey Modell, me and Jamie, actually. Um, I started the producing in around 2004 or something, maybe. And I was I was just starting high school at that point. Were you? I started high school in 2004. <laughs> I don't know why are you feel you're young or I just feel old now. Like, Me and I listen to Clubland for meals and I think we used to share it on infrared on our phones. You know the the, the latest Clubland. For, you know, <laughs> get your phone, we'll hold our phones together and we'll share that song across. Bluetooth wasn't in the boat then. Oh, well, that's why I never made any money, Stuart. Thanks very much. <laughs> 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 I, have a, I have a couple of pounds here. You, <laughs> you know, back to it, mate. Couple of <laughs> So did you did you make tracks for Mickey Modell? Like did you? No, so um, back then I was making. I just started producing, and obviously you send your stuff out to people to get feedback, and whatever. So I sent it to Mickey, and I didn't know at the same time Jamie was sending stuff to Mickey, and Mickey went, you know what? Why don't we get these two together and a collaboration? Yeah, and we'll, we'll work together. So we did that for five years down in um, the studio in in Bangor with Mickey. Uh, it was a great experience because uh, it wasn't just I learned a lot about producing but it was also Mickey was full deep into the business of it the music right. business and just seeing how it worked and it really opened your eyes and stuff like that scary world is it or is it uh, it sort of it sort of popped me up because we were coming from uh, like me and GMA we were in this wee sort of a group of DJs who all helped each other and know all done each other's clubs and supported each other it was like a really like a network great, almost uh, it, was, uh, it was really good and then when you were going down there, it was just like, um, I don't know, it just sort of popped me off it. It was like a bit a more real, backstabby and uh, kinda, uh, here, don't be telling them that. Or, see, it's very corporate then. Yeah. I see, I, I don't I, I don't like that. I think that's what I like about NICN. Is it's not like that, it's very, it's, it's not like that, it's very open. It's very, you know, let's work here, here. You know, if you need something here, come on, stick your voice on this for me, or here, Romulu, do this, or vice versa, you know. And that's the way it should be, you know, Definitely. like if... Uh, there's one of them Chinese memes, I think, because um, one person had an idea and you had an idea. We swapped ideas. Now we've both two ideas. Oh, uh, yeah. You know what I mean? So, like, uh, collaboration, then you're actually learning yourself as well. You're getting more more knowledge, more help. So if you help people, then, you know, if everybody helps each other, then you're actually, you know, doing better yeah, you're, for yourself. You're growing almost, right? And you get Donald Trump. It's like, oh, you had an idea, but I like that idea, so now that's my idea. So, yeah. Yeah. And stick your kung flu up your. That's uh, actually uh, the thing that does. Like Donald Trump's a bit like um your man, Jay from In Betweeners. You know, election. I I won that. <laughs> <laughs> completed it, mate. Completed uh, it. COVID-19, like COVID. Uh, I got COVID. Completed it, mate. Completed it, mate. <laughs> I, well, that's true. Like he's an absolute turkey. Like I, he's. I, I was. I feel a wee bit silly now because I wanted Hillary Clinton to win, right? When, in the original, and then when I got deep in the figure and all, listening to what was going on, and I don't know, well, I believe in the whole Jeffrey Epstein stuff and what they were doing and all that. Like, oh yeah, well, it's, it's definitely that's definitely true. Like, um, like they obviously did go to an island or was underage girls are they've got the whole they've got like they've got uh, flight logs and all they've got. Oh like, yeah, the they were all go, they were all going there. I think where it sort of gets murky is people start saying that they're like. It was like young children, and they were killing babies and drinking their blood, and it, you know, I think that's a bit. Fucking but but then does that not tie on with the Bohemian Grove though? Yeah. So Bohemian Grove, did they not do? Did they not have like a whole lot of? So when you listen to like the Joe Rogan with Alex Jones and yeah. the Matt Dillon or something, they, they cover a lot of Bohemian Grove stuff, and you're like, wow. I thought it sounds blowing. But I think um, it does go back to an ancient culture where the sort of or rituals where the you know sacrificed a kid. Um, and That's then old it sort of give them Germanic power or something, there, something down, around there, like. Uh, so it's just like uh, I don't know why, but it's 
something that the angler rich people do whether they fucking really sacrifice babies <laughs> I, I don't know it's mad because then you think it's as if they have so much money and they've conquered a ring like money ruins the world regardless uh, money ruins the world and, and like once they get to that point where they just have enough money to just dictate they're like right what can we do next I know we'll just mm-hmm. go and join this whole community where we, we drink kids but it, it's <laughs> it's not um, too outrageous to think that a bunch of rich people because they obviously all go in the same circles um, they all want to get together and away from cameras and you know peace and where they can just I and and like you can get hookers and you know do their do their th- enjoy themselves you uh, know I'm take starting drugs to, I'm and, there. And can, you, can you get that Bohemian Grove on Google I <laughs> <laughs> not not <laughs> for the baby not, not rich no. enough sure. but um but anyway right, well, here well I want to talk about that soon right because I, <laughs> I have that lined up but what what more interested in, in your kind of your life and, and kind of what got you to here what what led you to NACA and so whenever uh, it comes you said a couple of times there about Jimmy so yeah. you ha- you do a lot of collaboration with Jimmy now don't you yeah I I sort of after the the thing with the with working in Mickey was sort of all went there sort of different ways because it, it just wasn't financially you know stable anymore because uh, like, yeah. so we're paying money down there that the work was drying up um the club land sort of thing had died um Jimmy kept on you know working away and I sort of went to university right okay done like a sociology degree and then I done a master's degree and during that time I never done music at all I'd sort of given up because it a bit a bit of a sort like of I said, we're working with Mickey. Like the, it was a great experience, but the the pressure of trying to succeed made you miserable. You know what I mean? Like, oh, and then kept getting knocked back with stuff and all, and I just got sort of depressed. And just would, went, would you, you know, find that, like, else. see when you were doing working with Mickey, not 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 sleep Mickey, like, but was it more of an environment where you had to kind of fuck someone over to to get to be recognised almost, is that the type of, so it was like a dictatorship almost, where you're it, constantly, it, it felt like, someone on the it, it wasn't Mickey's fault like or nothing, no, no, no. it just felt like, um, there's only like, three things, job spaces for two or three people, and so you're all fighting to be that third one, uh, instead of it like being, you know, f- there's a lot of space for everybody, it's music, you're so uh, always room, and if you're stopping people, doing something, um, or, or you know, like, and then they're, they're just not going to be as good and then uh, the scene's not going to be as good and then the music will drift away and they'll not be as good quality and as good DJs. I think at the minute um, we all look like the Scottish DJs and me and Jamie and at the, at there's really good everybody's helping each other oh, and it's, uh, the scene is thriving. Together, like. scene's thriving big time like it's really good. And especially see if you notice now like with COVID and lockdown and stuff a lot of people are thinking I would love to get into DJing. So they've picked it up as a bit of a hobby and now they're like, I yeah. can actually really enjoy this. And they're quite good at it. They're quite creative. Yeah, have you noticed anybody like that? Like, um, I haven't noticed anybody that's been quite good. <laughs> I've, I've like done, I get people that um, message me and say that, you know, they want to do uh, music production, what you look at, you know, equipment, stuff like that there. And uh, I just know they think that it's e- easy. You know, because like, I see a lot of people doing it. They're like, I'm going to do that there. I think it'll be easy. But I try to say to them, like, you know, this this is a, a lifetime journey. Aye. And you can't say, like, I've been doing it 15 years, and I still feel like I don't know, you don't know anything. hardly anything. Does that keep you interested, but, um, in a way? Because you're constantly learning on it. Yeah, it's scary. So you, you constantly need to, to put the music, or to put the effort in. Always be up to date with the music, and the synths, and the equipment, and the techniques that people, other people are doing. And it's a lot to it, like. I can, I can, well, I can't imagine a lot of late nights. I take it a lot of sitting up, perfecting something that well, you're thinking. Uh, a lot of late nights up until twelve o'clock, and then I turn into a pumpkin and go to sleep. Do you? Uh, exactly. I can't stay past twelve o'clock. <laughs> so you don't do any like nocturnal gigs or anything? No, three in the morning, Joey's no. No, that that no. there one in Derry used to be on to on the three o'clock, um, and then a, an hour and a half coming home. Ah, oh, so long. Then the Glen Pass and all like it was crazy. That's that's not nice. It's dodgy no, Glen Chain Pass. I like going through Ballymena, Cold Rain. That way, it's an easier drive, but is it? it's a bit longer. But say oh, no. say say longer. It's it's not longer. It feels longer because there's more to see. Um, I, that doesn't even sound right. But what I mean is, when you I think when you go to Glencian Pass, it's a bit hectic. There's two there's trucks or it's mental. Yeah. And then the, but now they've built that new road actually up through tomb and stuff. It might and there's oh, there bypass the eye. But I find if you go up Cold Rain and then over the mountain Limavady and there's nice big windmills and all, it's, it's a nice it's, the scenic route. It's nice. Well, it was night time when I done it. Like, <laughs> but uh, it was what ten years ago. I remember coming home, me and my mate uh, Pickler, 
and we were driving down because it was pitch black out in the country you know you didn't see anything and then you seen a couple of shooting stars and we were like where are we this is class looking you know what i mean so me and him pulled over and um we were just sitting there watching the you know the shooting stars flying there was millions of them coming around and then i just says I hope some policeman doesn't pull up here. You know, what, just, are, you, what are you two boys doing in the just, dark woods, sir? Just finished from a residency here in that club up in London. Where is the gate? We're just back from the gay bar. Are you sure? It wasn't? They were sitting there watching the stars. What year was it? Are you sure it wasn't tracer rounds? <laughs> Shooting stars. It was tracers. The army in the ra up with the Glencia <laughs> Pass going at it like. It might have been. Yeah. You know, back in the day, but um, cool, right? So, so. Your degree and so what led you into that? So what was your degree? What what did you? Uh, my degree was in sociology. Right, and what what took you down that route? Um, I think the coming towards the end of the Mickey's Mickey thing, the music and all was sort of. I felt like I had a brick wall, um, and I started one day. Actually, I'll tell you the story. One day, that's what we're here for. Oh, that's, that's, <laughs> we're all ears, you know. Uh, one day, I couldn't afford to get up to the studio. Um, didn't have money for petrol because it was like 20 mile out of the way oh, yeah. so I was just watching TV and you got channel 1 channel 2 and then you go into the you know all the doc- the thingies and then the news and the movies and the sports and I got right down there was nothing on and I got to the history channel and then it was some war war thing and I went I just thought to myself you know what I haven't a clue how the war started ended what happened who was in it what World War 2 uh, yeah anyone right. I literally don't know nothing about nothing this about here it. apart from like we won or something <laughs> uh, so I watched a couple of do- the documentaries and then do you I know now like, ah uh, yeah I got I was, well ended I was going to say I thought we were going to go really deeper and I was going to have to tell you a couple of things but anyway right no, go, so you well ended yeah I know literally everything about it. first <laughs> world war second world war and then after that there I got a real thirst for, for learning about stuff so I'm right. really back and then I watched you should have turned your phone off, Stuart. Like, know, it's really I unprofessional, man. I know, I apologise. He's pretending it's phone, he's really farting. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I sat the vibrate on that to go off every couple of minutes, so it sounds like I know people, you know. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so I went uh, right back, like uh, the Egyptians, the Sumerians, um, the Incas, and all they got there, and then all different wars. And I, I learned this, I just wanted to know every single thing, and then. Well, I didn't know it at the time, but I was into the sociological aspect of it, you know, like what makes people do things the way they do. And I didn't know it was sociology at the time. And my mate's girl was just started a course. And when I was saying there about things, she was like, you know, you'd really enjoy this course. I mean, nah, I wouldn't be good enough for it, you know, like that there. And then she went down and got me a thing, just turned up my door and says, I applied for you, you go down tomorrow. And I was like, what? She, she, she just applied for it? Uh, she just applied for it. And the, the, the local tag was just access to university course. And I went down there and went done sociology and psychology and, you know, things like Seriously, there, English and maths again. So I done it for two years. Um, I thought that would be it. But I got really high scores and uh, applied for Queen's University and I got, got in there and and then that's, uh, done, that's the, it. done the three years in there. So in terms of sociology, so I don't know anything about sociology. So maybe people listening to this who are masters in it, I don't know, and then there'll be people that are like, you're obviously one of the masters of sociology because you're now to the point where you have a degree in, and yeah, all that but Jedi master a Jedi master Yoda Pricey <laughs> <laughs> one you are but uh, yeah so they um, what 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 does it entail like what, what's sociology then so sociology people say sociology is a study, study of society but actually it's Greek you know socio means society ideology means study so it's literally translates as a study of society society right yeah. okay so you, you look into things um like there's this thing called like social norms things that we do like you don't wear a um you know like a bathing suit to a funeral you know because it's a social norm is to wear, <laughs> like wear a, black a suit and stuff like that right okay so it's these things that common sense Right. You know, the yeah, things that yeah. you take for common sense, but sociologists would look at them to see are they natural or are they socially constructed, i.e. did, you know, I, I, did, I, did, did society make them like that there? So so when you, look, when, you look at like, when you look at like New York, like New York, it's just, if you want to go and try and make it, make it, make it as a person in New York, you're going to go and do three things. You're going to be an actor, you're going to be a businessman or a taxi driver. Uh, do you know what I mean? Is that, is that so, but it's like New York's developed that. So would that, Am I even on the right track there? No, or is that completely way out of context? No, I think the easy way to think about it you is... You just said yes, mate. Thanks very much. <laughs> anyway, go, <laughs> go for it, go for it. <laughs> what are you joking me? The easy, easy way to think of it is um, 
boys like blue and girls like pink. Oh. Right? So do you think that there's just the way boys are naturally born to like blue and girls are naturally born to like pink? It's just in our genes? No, I think it's taught. Yeah. So it is. It, and I think it's I think it's it's branded like that. So I think I I think that's a corporate thing. Yeah. So so it's so they could sell more you, you're you know? exactly right so a lot of people think blue's just automatically mm. it's in our genes you know like boys like blue but you're right in the 1950s or 60s when uh, mass consumption so the economy wanted people to buy more and more and more yeah the they made this thing the marketing they were like how can we market this towards boys and market this towards girls so that they, they just applied right what? everything's going to be blue for boys and they could have easily been the other way around so from that there then um parents started buying blue clothes and you know like and blue, blue rooms blue. everything blue is boy and then it was reinforced to their kids and reinforced to their kids now it's sort of like you know like subconscious and unconscious thought that boys like blue and, and girls like pink but so that's a simple um I was more, of looking at that it. was a more simpler version than what I tried to put yeah. in apologies about that <laughs> and anybody listening who, but anybody who agreed with me thanks very much you know but uh, so see when you say that do you think now not, I'm really interested in going down that route with sociology but you see when you you say like Blues for boys and and red, or pinks for girls, um, and that was kind of put on on generations before us for for mass consumption and all that. Do you think now it's got to the point now where all them institutions that were kind of built in the fifties and the sixties and then heart strengthened in the seventies and the eighties and then kind of started to break down in the, in the the nineties and the early two thousands and that's just got to the point where they're like where people are like I'm not doing this anymore. I'm not listening to what you're telling me. I'm not buying what you're telling me to buy. I'm going to buy from the is that a form yeah. of sociology too? Is that like how it's, it's yeah. now starting to take a shift? Yes. So on? why the, the big thing at the minute is the gender. You know, there's no such thing as gender. Really, surely, there, or, surely there is. Well, there's two be. different things. Sociology, there's two different distinctions. One is like your sex. So is that's the biological. If you've got a, if you have a vagina shirt, you know, not. You're a guard. <laughs> <laughs> like you and I, sex, you know? Yeah. <laughs> right, okay, right. So, uh, so that's so, a biological term then. You so know, if so I have a two, I'm a girl. Yeah. Right. And if you have a willow, you're a, you're a fella. It's because it's biology. Okay. But then you have gender. It's a sociological construction, i.e. Um, boys like cars and mechanics and, you know, doing all like band things. Girls like hairdressing and, you know, things Beauty like that. and all that. Yeah, so their, their gender roles are, you know, ident- gender identities. Right, okay. But why does, like, you know, it doesn't, it's not, that's not natural. Like, Ian, that's been taught to us through history. There's no reason why you can have a girl who likes to dress in boys' clothes, like, you know, like a, just trousers or whatever. And, yeah, yeah. And likes to do mechanic, be a mechanic and do all the things that are boyish. That, that are, not the norm, as they say. Yeah. But, so but you're you're transferring your gender roles. You know, I mean, you're you're getting into, you're being what's what's noted as a boyish gender sort of thing. Yeah. No, I'm with you. I'm with you. What's noted? You're following the blue path rather than the pink path. Yeah. Yeah. But like just what like you were saying, you're just going. You know, I'm not standing by these socially constructed rules. I'm just going to do what I want, and you know. No, I, that's crazy. So, and is that the is that the crux of a sociology? Is that the start of it when you start to go down that road, or does it? And yeah, does it so open you, up and like, like I say, more? you're looking at the things like common sense, like the blue and the mm-hmm. the the pink and the boys' rules, girls' rules. Um, I was really interested in the our economic inequality, right, okay. rich people, poor people, working class, upper class. You know, and the opportunities or the barriers that the the working class face. Um, in society, when which leads into now what we're doing at NACM. I was going to say it starts to. I'm, I'm starting to hear D talking now in yeah. my mind about the different conversations that we've had about different meetings and stuff. And and now that you say that, it's it's about social deprivation and it's about yeah. changing the narrative and changing. So whenever you were doing your degree and you were doing your and, and getting real deep into it, did you consider? where you were from and where you, where you grew up did you like when you were putting your, your material together yeah, 100% because like when I was doing down and like I said I was down in the tech and when you had to apply to university I thought they wouldn't take anybody from a working class see, area see when you sorry see when you were in the tech was it SEA at the time Southeast Sandrum Institute no it was just NRC was it NRC as well was it I how long ago did you do your degree just finished my master's three years, two years, three years ago. Was it? Three, and then when, it was four. 
nearly ten years ago I started the whole thing because when I was in school I suppose you wouldn't I will in when I was in school it was called SEA so we used to have classes that were SEA down in Nicknabby down in Nicknabby and there was a tag part of the tag was in our school and then you would have went to SEA and then because obviously you were well versed in UDA and on our school it was like a boot camp down there and we were like oh you're going to UIM because you're in the SEA and all that you know like that's how stupid it got but anyway right so cool so when you were doing your degree, you were looking in the, the likes of Rathcoole and Rathfern and the local yeah, area Yeah, uh, my dissertation would have been on, or thesis sounds like a better word, you know, more... I like thesis. Dissertation sounds like an infection. Yeah, <laughs> all right. Oh, got a dissertation, hear me, I need, I need to go and get a look at that. Where, here, I've got a thesis, and you're like, he's got a thesis. Like, doctor. Yeah, I know, I'm, a, I'm a doctor, yeah. Do- Are you a doctor? What? Have you got a... No, uh, the next step would have been a doctor. Why did you not do it? Because it was another three years of reading texts that I couldn't be arsed doing. <laughs> I know, but the 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 read on the you know when you're applying uh, for like a, a credit or card or something, and it's like what's your and it's like. Well, I do have letters after my name of of a BAMA. bachelor's and masters. Do you? So when you're, I can't. I could like the. You could enforce that, so I could be like, here, Ron, sir. Yeah, nice mate, nice one. Class, right? So tell us a bit more about your about your masters and about your studying in the area. Because yeah, so my, th- my thesis was on when I go back to high school, um, I never done well. Right. You know, I never looked at. I thought education was for geeks. You know, like at their Same. sort of way, and there was no way I was relating to it. Um, it just it, you just knew it wasn't for me, but you sort of knew it wasn't for you before you'd even tried it. Aye. It was just in your culture that. Um, you don't need it. You don't need an education. You're yep. just going to get a job as a plumber or go a work where you You know, working a chippy. Yeah, aye. just because there's what you see your uncles and whatever doing and all that, or, or just sitting in the brew. You know, <laughs> the brew. when I was when I was younger, I agree with that so much, mate. Because I I never school never worked for me. Never worked for me. It always yeah. worked against me. Um, and I don't know, maybe there's something there that I just never figured. No one ever noticed. I hit it well. I don't know, but um, and I've never looked into it, but. It always worked against me, and I never got the grades. I never done like I didn't get any GCSEs, you yeah. know. So, and I think we were we were told to leave school at the end fifth year. We didn't get the set of GCSEs yeah. because it was a bit of difficulty. But, um, but you see, everybody around us was unemployed. Yeah. You know, one, I think one out of maybe fifteen of them had a job, and it was like KFC. And we're like, I'm not working at KFC. And did you uh, ever meet anybody that went to university? I was like twenty eight before I had met anybody. No, I I didn't meet anybody that went to uni until I started working at McDonald's so mm. when I was 17 and the concept of going to uni I was like not a chance uh. are, you, are you daft are we going to uni for and I constantly wrote it off and it wasn't until I got to probably about it's only now actually so I'm 28 now and I'm starting to be like I think I would like to go to uni you know and and study further but I, but what scares me about uni is that if I had a fell into the trap of if I had done well in school and then I had to went to tech or done whatever it was, went into A levels and then went into uni. A lot of people who I know now are my friends who have just finished their their uni. That's our time up, but we're happy enough to talk. Uh, about yeah. that. So anybody like why does it stop? Does it? Just in case we're sitting here for two hours and it's not. Like no, go ahead, mate. Chat. How we did. But yeah, so a lot of people. What I see now is a lot of people are like. Um, coming out of uni and they're like oh yeah I need to pay back X amount of money and and then now I'm starting to think to myself I, would I want to get in that you know so I don't know two minds but anyway so go ahead what were you saying no, there? Where, where you are at the minute like uh, working here uh, without the uni work you know it's like it's happening although what I'm what I'm finding that so obviously I would work my way up in, in business like so I have a, a mindset of business and doing different things like that and it's all kind of self-taught rather than not yeah. self-taught but there's industry knowledge there as, as along with people management and loads of different things that came with that which is experience but um the what i'm starting to notice now i'm really interested in the youth sector and doing different mine's just mental health so my mental health is shocking like so so bad every day you're kind of having a conversation with yourself being like trying to like right this is what i need to do a day because if not you're like what will i do you know that way and it's like that every day but it's life but I'm starting to find now that, like, coming into this here, I'm like, oh, I'm open now. Just, I want to learn so much, thing, so much about it, and that's what's exciting. And I'm thinking, well, I don't know if I want to go back to uni. And then, sorry, so I'm t- going off on the tangent that because the reason why I'm going off on the tangent is, I'm one man. I'm like, I don't know if you go to uni. Should I waste not waste time, but should I invest a lot of time in the uni now? 
because and and lose out on what I'm doing almost or do I go to uni invest that time in the uni and then I'll have the experience the knowledge sorry and no, but no experience like, uni is good for like getting the knowledge and learning how to do things but for career ways because you would go to uni and you would come out and you'd be in this job anyway you know aye, what I mean aye, so aye, you aye. would have um, you're probably in a better job better position than some of the people I went to uni office in my class aye. they would have went to uni to get this job if you know what I mean I know so. what you mean because I've, I've heard a couple of things we've, obviously we've worked in partnership now with a couple of different organisations and I've been talking to them and we spoke about a couple of things and I've got to know them as we but some of them are still in uni now and they're not earning enough money and they're, and I'm thinking and they're, they're, some of them are working two or three jobs and I'm like whoa what's I, we've landed on our feet a wee bit so here I'm not complaining <laughs> you know uh, what I mean? it's, it's great but anyway so how long so you've done your masters then so what are you doing anything with it have you done anything with your masters no um, literally from that there I closed the book sent my my last thesis away and I haven't looked at another thing again have you not no no and I actually really miss it and not doing the work but being around them kind of people where you can talk about interesting things. <laughs> you can go deep. Yeah. Aye. Uh, so that there was amazing. Um, and there's literally nobody nobody that I know talk, knows anything about any of that stuff. So the it just sort of plays about my head really now. And would you never utilize that? Would you never use, it, use your platform? Because obviously you have a big platform. Like you've... Uh, what, what do you mean? Like, would you never utilize like? Do something extra about it. Would you ever take it and run with it and see where it takes you in terms of like going in and teaching people about it, going in and running a class about it, going in and um, even setting up a, your own podcast and just talking about the stuff that you know? Um, I suppose uh, I never really thought about that their way. I like coming in like a CNACN thing because I'm using some of my knowledge on the, through this here. Um, and then when you're, you're doing, you know, like the a plan for grants and stuff it's all about that there yep. so when you're talking to people you you understand where the kids around here are coming from where they need for, for facilities and equipment and you know things like that aye, there. Aye. so that's probably it like you know but um as far as getting the job from it i was never really interested well you're not no yeah. i suppose the idea of sitting in a suit and uh, i'm not a nine to five guy like that's my idea of hell i'm not a nine to five i i can't i've tried and i can't like you know I like later shifts for some reason. I like a, an evening shift that works. Uh, for, see, coming in working during the day, I'm like, let's pop my head away. I was just, like, I was the same. Like when I was trying to do like my my essays and stuff like that there from uni, we'd get up early. We start about ten o'clock, but about for ten o'clock to three o'clock, I wrote about four words, Aye. and then it just all went. Yeah. The next couple of hours, you'd wrote loads and loads and loads. Every you fucking need, day, just I, I, I can't do it. Like I, I struggle with stuff like that. Like I uh, see even so one of the things me and Dee was talking about was applications. Yeah. And I, I said to him, Dee, he, he asked me to look in the Coca Cola application, and it took me about four days. And over four, uh, there was about nineteen boxes, and over four days, I got about three boxes done, and and it was wasn't even good writing. Like, and I just <laughs> I just said to him, Dee, I can't do that. Like yeah. I, I'd rather go out. I do a lot of work, one to one work now. Rather, you know, like in groups and work on with different types. I love it. I can do it, but you see, sitting down and I'm um, doing admin stuff does puts my smoke. Yeah, and that's uh, it's, it's sort of second me just doing it too much constantly, like that's yeah for six and a half years. <laughs> <laughs> so that's kind of brought us up. I think I know. Is there anything in there that you're you kind of has happened? Like, is there any milestones in your life that you've reached and you kind of you feel that it would be worth talking about? Um, milestones. We well, anything that like because we were talking about where you came from you never met anybody from uni you know so actually getting there um and doing that there was uh, like massive for me was it not i don't know when you come back so when you when you, you're stuck in a textbook and you're looking at different things and you're starting to you're starting to expand your own knowledge and grow and then you come back into your own area and you see different figures in your area and different people and and different institutions and the way they're set up and the way they're run and organised. Do you not look back and go, what is going on? In yeah, it was like, I was while I was at uni, I felt like I was stuck in between two cultures. You know, right, so okay. when you're coming down down here, like there's a different way of talking and the 100%. people, you know, like, you're more harder and more like sort of tough exterior, you know. Doggy like, dog almost, yeah, isn't it? Darwin theory. <laughs> so you're, you're constantly ripping the back out of people or you know like so that's the way you can be with them she can't be emotional or you know you just have to be yep. cool and smooth <laughs> yeah cool and smooth 
but then when you go up there, everybody's dead nice, and you know. So, it, like, I always made the thing that, um, you know, um, if you banged into somebody down here accidentally, it would be the fuck you doing. You know, I'll knock your fuck out straight away, and you're like, Aye. "What? What do you say?" On, on the, on the, on the aggression. Aye, straight like, into yeah. aggression. But see if you've done it up there, like you accidentally walked out. Like, oh, sorry, excuse me. You know, I didn't mean to do that there, and it's just, uh, <laughs> it's completely different. What? Where would you want? Where would you rather live? Um, I suppose you're always safer, and that like, <laughs> <laughs> you, you learn to live uh, where, with where you are at the minute. Um, but I was, I was different because whenever I was at school, it was always low. When you're carrying your bag, it was over one shoulder, and you were like the wee swagger and the walk yes. and all, you know, oh, the yeah. cool walk. You get a bounce, it hurt almost. Uh, but yeah. So, but up in uni, people put the two ones over their two arms, and they're like all straight and you know, like all prop, prim and proper. And there's me down there about with a one bag. One bag. Oh, here he comes! I uh, nobody banging the him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> with my tracksuit and all. That. <laughs> Don't change, but that's that's the best thing. But I know I worked I worked on Lisburn Road for a while, and. I'm not from where, like, so I'm from Rathcoole originally, and then I, now I live, I live in Balmina, right? So I've been in Balmina, what, I've been going on seven years here. A whole different way of life, different culture, different, it's a whole different world from what I was ever used to. I like it, I really enjoy it, it's nice, it's like a zen, almost, yeah. it's country, it's quiet, it's out of the way, and, and that's, I like that, and it works for me, but when I then went to work, so, to work on the Lisburn Road, just the whole mentality up there, you know, how people spoke to each other. They sit outside, it's all al fresco, they want to sit outside yeah. with their legs crossed, smoke and drink pints and drink wine and you know and, and I'm like it's it's as they, it's how the other half live. It's definitely the other half live. I experienced it big time. I done a in between one of my summers I done like a summer placement. Oh, I, I actually went to Stormont. Right, okay. And I worked there for six weeks in the the research um place and like see any times with jobs before that there like jobs from down here like we're saying you know about the plumbing or whatever but see when you, you go to like the warehouse you have to clock in you have to clock out there's somebody watching you yep. constantly over your shoulder seeing what you're doing you have to ask for a toilet break you're yeah. there why aren't you doing this here and they basically treat you like dogs dirt oh why so that was my whole experience like from the working thing and then when I went up there it was just like people were coming in whatever time they want left when they wanted they were going for an hour and a half two hours lunches and all and just going for a walk around the grounds here the manager would come in the start of week and says can you do this here for me when's it for um, have it for Friday okay and he would have left them not even yeah. says how you getting on and then just away you went aye, and it, so is, is that why the country's absolutely snookered right now because <laughs> so, no, they're all up there just taking an hour and a half break every day and, no, fun, funny enough me. this was when I worked there, I think it cl- the storm had collapsed the next month. Does <laughs> that go back to that bad luck thing you were saying? So yes, that's back? Uh, <laughs> I've had, so, a lot more ones. Like, I remember DJing the shadow rooms in Carrick. And, um, do you remember shadow rooms? And then uh, it changed to something else, I Well, I was, I was DJing in there, residency, and uh, there was nobody else at the start of the night. And uh, I'd just seen all these flick black shining things. You get the fuck's out there? And they're just like, Yeah! Here's me, what the hell is that there? It was the rat squad, the police. There was about 20 of them with the shields and the helmets and the buttons and everything running into the club, you know, to get thing. And I just remember looking at them, what the fuck are they doing? And then they just get into the club and they looked around and they went, there's nobody here and they took off their stuff and they were just like, puzzled. And they come up to me and said, is there nobody in here? Here's me, it's only open, mate, for fuck's sake. <laughs> 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 I know, the letter on. He goes, all right, all right, there's more people come in later. Here's me, I don't know. <laughs> and then they went again. <laughs> So they come in for a drug raid. There was nobody in the fucking place. <laughs> oh, brilliant! I would have loved to have seen that. Uh, that was I, comical. Like I was, I was telling a story on Thursday. One of the young groups. I was down in Carrick working, and we were getting a really, really hard time from the youth down there. Really hard time, and we were a business. Obviously, we were a private business. Getting a hard time, and we had to rely on the police heavily for help. And this, it got to the point. So the guy I was working for at the time. He, I kept saying, we need help, like, we can't do this, Friday nights, these kids are coming in their droves, like, they're coming, and it was like 50 or 60 kids at a time, and they were coming in, they were assaulting people, staff were petrified, like, we were getting hit, and, you know, it was, they were wrecking the place and us here, and so eventually we get on to, like, the, it was like the area commander for the PSNI, for, like, this whole area, and we, we could talk to him, and the boss, he sat down with him, and says, listen, anything is need, when you ring us up, ring 101, or, or 999, depending on what it is, and then, quote, a code it was like one two two or something and that was our specific code for our for our business 
So that was fine. And then this one night in particular, there was, <laughs> there was all these kids outside. And they were all like, and they were probably between 11 or 12. And it was only, at this point, there was <laughs> there was only about 10 or 12 of them. And they weren't causing any trouble. One of them had a skateboard. And this is this is how, this is, this is where it always gets lost in translation. Because there's no in between. It was either extremely insane or it's okay. And this one night, one one of the one of our wee managers was was on edge. It was a busy shift. It was night, and I was getting ready to go home. And whatever happened, one of them threw like rubbish down on the ground. And the next minute, boom, on the phone, wrong that number. Two big meat wagons rocked up. You them? No, no, no. Somewhere. The manager, I Pedro, <laughs> didn't know what to do. Just uh, caught off guard. Phoned that number. Thought get the police, blah blah. And the next minute, these two big rat vans rocked up. All these pillars jumped out like suited and booted for a full gear like a full rat and I was like look and I was like what have you done like no no and that was like a Friday night and I, I had to go out and I was like lads listen we're, we've we've shifted and I explained the scenario and we're like right no problem no. these boys are ready to start throwing kids about no you know they were just pumped so that was fine then we, we got the we got them away and the next night then the 50 60 kids come down killing each other baiting each other and I, I was the only person that could go out so I went out and I was like whoa yeah and it was two girls in particular two young girls probably about 14 mm-hmm. had each other by the hair beating each other throwing themselves in the cars and all. it was insane right it was a proper Armageddon free for all I got on the phone phoned the police rang this number and they sent like three 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 police officers down who were like straight out of the canteen uh-huh. you know they started, one had sauce on his shirt and, all, and, he, and really really camp and all these kids were like what what's happening here? <laughs> I, so like the night before, literally these these young kids who were probably quite good kids, just having a wee rattle outside, were just <laughs> met with like Robocops, and then and then the next night all the, all the mad kids were appeared, or all drunk, killing each other, and the next night they sent down to these stooges, and I was like, what mental? You couldn't get it in between, like you know. But uh, anyway, anyway. So yeah, so I don't even know where to go with that, like. <laughs> I don't even know where, no, where to do it. So bring, bring it up in the present day, mate. So what's happening with you now? What, what are you doing yourself now? Um, well, just helping out down here in the NACN. Um, suppose it's great recording all the, the kids and seeing them. The talent, how, how much they're progressing. The talent's fucking... It's scary, isn't it? It is. And see, when I heard these... Uh, saying about this here about a year or two ago when I, I met him and he was like ah oh, the kids come down to the singing academy and I just pictured a bunch of kids you know, screaming down the microphone and same, fucking, like, <laughs> same. karaoke same. so whenever I come down and he says we're going to you know record them and stuff and I think, I think Brooke was the first one her voice is phenomenal it's, it's, so I had on the back and track and I says no give her a thumbs up there you go and she just sung it and it was just one take and I got to the end and they went is that it? And I just said, like, you know. Unreal. I don't even think I need to do any more. That's her done. Like, you you don't sake. need me, actually. I thought I was going to be here for about four hours, you know, doing 30 takes, trying yep. to get the best one and all. And I was just like, I just thought, fuck, these ones are really good. Like, Fantastic. And then when you hear the other ones, like, you know, Emma and Zoe and the other Emma, it's just like, they're all amazing. It's scary. That's, whenever, whenever, I come, whenever I played, I actually come down, so obviously, I'm big on the mental health and different things like that. And, I, and I'm all about trying to, I... It's not that I don't believe. Everybody has their own mechanism to fix themselves. And I had to go down the route of getting medication until it got me to a level where I was like, right, I think I think I can take it from here. What are you taking? I was taking, I'm taking Sertraline. Well, I was taking Sertraline. Um, and I was taking hundreds every day. So 100 milligram of Sertraline. I got Citalopram. Citalopram? Oh, really? Is it? See, I don't really know the difference in them. No, nearly. I remember getting one triple or something and that made me feel worse did it see the the i was fine there the hundreds were the circulating was making me really like i sometimes i think it was making me worse mm-hmm. it was making me just I, I felt like it just coming into like a a mode where I just sat sure for anxiety or just no my, i tried to kill myself so I, that's kind of where i was at right and uh yeah it's a bit mad like so and, and this is a weird story and not very many people know it but obviously if anybody's listening to it so i tried to kill myself and what it was is that I had a demon that I never addressed, um, and then I went down a real dark, scary path in my head. Never fixed it. Just kept going with it, thinking it'll get better, it'll get better. Mm-hmm. Between trying to be an adult, basically, you know, bringing kids in the world, managing your finances, trying to maintain a job, trying to maintain your wife, you know, all those different things. And I just lost control of it all. And I just thought, right, well, that's it. That's me done, you know. Um, and that was it. And then I thought, well, I can't exactly do that on earn and the kids. And then there was this wee voice in my head saying, "I oh, will just take him away." So when I I'd, I'd planned, I'd fully Jesus prepped, and I was like, "Right, I'm going home to 
do her and the kids in. That was it. That was me thing. And then it's something just clicked in my head. I was like, you need to get help. That's it. You need to get help. You, you can't do that. That doesn't work. I'd prepped and all. I'd planned. I was going to come on Portrush. It was a wee bit and all. And I had it all planned out. And I was like, this, that's, there's, this couldn't be it. That's not me done. Like, that's there's, there's definitely more to my life than, than this. This is it. So I packed in the job I was in at the time. It was really high stressful. It was the one I was working at Lisburn Road. Um, it was a high level management job. Um, and it was, it was a whole different world up there. And I never fitted in. Yeah. I just couldn't fit in. And I, I, the more I tried to fit myself in, and the more I felt dislodged. And I was like, I, that doesn't work for me. Yeah, that was the same as me, like Stormont and, and Uni. Like, yeah, you just you feel out of place. So yeah, so... And then I phoned the doctor and, and explained it all to him. And I went to counselling and stuff. And, and they talked me off a ledge. And they were fantastic. Like, I think when you ask for help, when, when this, you know, and they don't... I think the worst place to be is stand in a hospital. You know, I, not, not for anybody that's ever had to do that. Like, I don't think I went that far. But... I think I caught it just in time before I ended up. I my, probably would have ended up in prison, you know, because mm-hmm. because my head had fr- was fried. So anyway, so um, and then I spoke to him, and he says, "Listen, we'll try you on sertraline. We'll go down that route, give it a go, and see what what you think." And I was like, "Aye." Oh, so I was taking it, and it helped. It, it it took the edge off, but it took away. I had like so it made me snore right, which and I really really struggled with my weight at the minute because I was taking it. And then it took away my fear of spiders for some reason. Right. Petrified of spiders. <laughs> I mean, proper petrified. Like, and I'm moving up in that country. Where's all country, yeah. man. You're down in Rathcoole. It's all right to be afraid of spiders. Like, you know, <laughs> bumming the people and swear at them. But, you know, being afraid of a spider or a stray cat. That's all right. That works uh-huh. down here. Up in the country, nothing faces them. Like, so where I live, because it's like in the sticks. Um, my father-in-law, like a proper country man, none faces him. And the one day we were cleaning out the shed, mate, and I had to phone him and be like, oh, you wouldn't, there's, a, there's, a, there's a rodent in the shed. Like, can you come up and give me a hand? He says, oh, it's a, it's a spider, never worry. He just walks in and, and he just he looked at it and he was like, okay. Went out to a van and got himself like a wee, you know, like a bit of cloth and just put it over this thing. And this thing looked like it had mortgage and three kids. I mean, it was massive. <laughs> and he just launched it over the fence and he just done that on his hands and walked out. And I was like... Uh, right, I don't think I'm ever going to be here. But yeah, so went to him and got them, and uh, and then he says sertraline. So it was only ever sertraline I was on. Mm-hmm. Um, but now what I've after not I noticed, I noticed that I couldn't concentrate. Like I like not that I couldn't concentrate. I couldn't focus on one thing, and I kept losing. I kept losing my train of thought, and I kept just going into like dead space in my mind, constantly glaring and stuff. Not really focused. Um, and losing my, what would you say, uh, my concentration, let's say that. So then I just, I just stopped taking them. I just thought, I'm going to just give it a go and stop taking them. Felt a bit weird there, but I'm now three weeks not taking them. And I see, I've never felt better. I've never felt, and I think my issue was, is that life got on top of me rather than, need, so I didn't need medication to kind of help me get. Uh, you have to smell the roses every now and again oh, yeah. say, don't you? And oh, yeah. see what you have like cause I, when it, funny it's sort of similar like when I was down with Mickey the pressure of trying to be, be something and do something oh, and you know and then going fuck am I going to do it or not at all and you just get so so down um, but then funny when I was doing learning about all the you know that was saying about the histories and stuff then I started yeah. getting into like um, figuring out what was good and what was not, and then I was learning about society and what makes a good society, bad society, all this here. And then I started looking around the world, and then I was learning, you know, you're better being thankful for what you have, and just I. Then you're happy with when you're we're happy with what you've got. Anything you get a bonus, but when you're always going, I need to get this, I need to do that, I need to have this car, I need to do. Then you're never going to be happy. And no, it's just a fuck. Your life's empty, you know, Aye, it's and just, that's I, I find that it's a bit of a rat race almost. Uh, and and I was for a while I got caught up in that. I, I did get caught up in that, and then I got caught up in it, and that's why I kind of go sit back and say like the corporate world because I was in the corporate world. You know, my, I was born and bred in it almost, and like my first taste of a career was in the corporate world. And it's vicious. It's, uh, it's not nice. Like it's it isn't nice, and it's not healthy. And the the world the world that I was in, they you had to con- it was a, you had to constantly watch your back. It was like a shark tank. You know you you could never you, you didn't really know who you could trust, and then you had to constantly watch your back. And there was one or two people that you could really really trust, um, but everybody was out to find you doing something wrong, and then swooping in and saying oh he done that he done that yeah. wrong get him out get him out and then and I find that like politics and all so that's why I'm like I've never gone down that route of looking in the yeah. I would never ever dare you know but um, but yeah it's a scary world well 
So what about like so now <laughs> I'm good at going off on a tangent. Hello, I don't know where the hell. I don't even know where I was. I don't even know how I even told that story. But anyway, felt comfortable enough to do it. Yeah, um, tell So it. thank you. But what was I going to say? So a couple of cheeky plugs. So tell us more. What's happening right now with you? So what what do you do? Uh, right so now? at the minute, I'm just uh, producing nonstop, twenty four seven, making my own music. Started writing. Maybe my own, my own songs or you heard like the break of got broke to sing a couple. When's it been released actually? Um I well I sent one of them to the guy in Germany last week. Um and he says he's really busy, he'll get a look at it. That's what he does, it sits there for three months. One of the ones that done uh, me and Jamie has been released after Christmas here and I sent it to him last Christmas. And it's actually got to the point that like I don't even like the song anymore. It's not even like it, you know. <laughs> but it's not the way that world is. But ah, uh, so it takes you just like you do a song and then you you're best just forgetting about it until time to come out. Aye. So basically, so you by, by you sending them it's basically being archived. Is that? I will they go in because they've got a list. Then that's you know it just takes a because they're six seven months down the line of what the releases are. Well, unless uh, we're also like uh, part of a DNZ Records, and that's sort of. It's much better because you literally do a song, send it to guy Oscar in Spain, and he has it out in three weeks. He just doesn't give a shit. You know, he really? just fucking wax everything out. Like, it's like, doom, 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 out. Um, yeah, so it's, it depends. If, it, if it's an original stuff, then it goes to Lars in Germany. And if it's just like a like a remix or a chart song or an old song, then I give it to Oscar and he just wax it out. And then that comes out And did you just have to take it? You just had to develop that wee system, like you just had to meet them people and, and set up them contacts, and then now you just have. So you and Jimmy. So I want to talk about Jimmy, right? Yeah. So I want to go down that route with Jimmy, and I know we're kind of. Well, he's meant to be either. here now, but he never fucking turned up. So that's why you get lumbered with me. <laughs> no, mate, no. We'll, we'll we'll get one with Jimmy now because I know I've seen I've listened to some of your tracks with Jimmy, like and yeah. I love him, mate. I love that type of music. So. Yeah, so the uh done a lot with Jamie and the, the two years there that we were really banging them out and it was amazing like every song was like an anthem everybody was playing it and it sort of shaped the scene in Scotland where it is at the minute um had your phone going oh, <laughs> um yeah but then when we sang to this label in Germany he sang the Jamie being Nova Scotia name so he could only have any for three tracks so anything was Jamie being Nova Scotia had to go to him but he only takes original music so that's why we've had to sort of do our own things for a while, and then when we get one together, then it goes to it, right, it goes okay. to him. It goes to him. Uh, so we've been working apart more than we've uh, been working the gallery. The gallery. Like. Mate, it's class. It's a whole different world. So, in in your own words, right? So there's definitely going to be a part two of this podcast because there's anger so much more. Mate, we we can we can Aye, talk about it's like, a sort of jump right, from we, we we kind of talked a wee bit about the Jeffrey Epstein world, and I definitely oh, want to yeah. do a, a whole session <laughs> on that because I I'm in the globalization and all that, like listening to it, and I yeah. believe that there's some control in this the system. But I think that's a part two, and I oh, definitely yeah, want to do that. But in in three words, in three words, could you summarize or sum up, shall we say? Your experience to date as a DJ? Uh, sum it up. Three words to date. Well, let's think about it logically. It was going well, then it was shit, then I never done it, and now it's going well again. <laughs> so, in three so words. Go well, shit, go well. Go for a shit, <laughs> stopped. But yeah, so uh, yeah. That. Uh, that works for me. That's that's that works for me. So uh, what? It, uh, it's just uh, the passion. I lost the passion. Um, just when down with Mickey, like I said, and um, that's uh, I sort of give it up, and I just never touched it again for th- three or four years. Didn't even listen to any music. You seen the dirty side of it? I take it is that? Uh, it was just uh, that there, and just the where it was going. No, nobody was really into the music that I was doing anymore because it went to all this sort of electroy shit, slower stuff, and I don't really like that. Um, so and I just you know I just got bored I wasn't DJing anywhere I, st- I stopped uh, DJing the noise of Balik started Don't, started talking us here I huh? um yeah so I can't remember what the anyway no, <laughs> just to sum it up so and so stick us a couple of plugs in so how would uh, if anybody listening to this hopefully they enjoyed the conversation because I, I yeah. did mean this has been the best one yet yeah. um how would they find you so give us your handles what are you on um well I'm a bit like where's Wally but uh <laughs> I get that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so on Facebook's probably the best thing I spend twenty three hours of my day on, on that. There, uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so on Facebook, I uh, get my 
artist pages Nova Scotia Music um, yeah that's probably the best place on SoundCloud actually if you want to listen to my stuff go on SoundCloud, SoundCloud. Nova Scotia because I get paid for every time you listen so do you I? Yeah, so like, can it be if it's say it's the same IP address does it matter? Does it matter? So every listen is counted. Oh, yeah, I mean, yeah. So if you listen to it five hundred times, I get two p. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were going to say five hundred quid. <laughs> I wish I get two p. Class. So it's definitely worth doing then. Uh, oh, yeah, so well, I, I actually leave it on in the background. I get up in the morning and just put it on repeat. You know, so <laughs> <laughs> go and make a cup of tea and come back, and I've made enough money for that cup of tea. <laughs> you know, <laughs> six pounds. Unreal. Well, listen, thanks very much, man, for coming. All right, that's been great. Uh, need to get another conversation. Yeah, I was nervous at the start. There, I think shit, man, but it's good stuff. No, I mean, honestly, there's, there's so much more in there, I man. I want to talk to you about, like, and I actually think from now on, if we work it out, because obviously you're my producer for the um, for for this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and if no one if we we have a week where no one comes in I just think we, you should just run with it yeah like, that's definitely I um, so just I have a interesting ones but people and then if not then there's just mate, phone on. up I'll run he'll come down yes hey, Ron will be down mate brilliant happy days listen thanks very much for listening yep, then um, thank you yeah and if keep yeah just keep listening out folks uh, yeah busting for a piss so is that all right let's go let's go <laughs> The Cool Podcast, Stuart Hunter. Class.